State of the Division NLEs for a Thursday. Got Jack McMullen here. We're just cranking out State of the Divisions. We just recorded the uh, AL Central, AL West coming up soon. We're going to the NL East right now. And we're in the midst of the first of what's going to be a ton of series between the Mets and the Braves. This is, in my opinion, I want to get yours on this. Is this the best division race in baseball? Not looking at the AL East as far as how many great teams they have, but the Yankees are running away from that one. So we're talking about what's going to be the division race that's going to come down to it. To me, Mets, Braves, best two teams going head-to-head down the stretch here. This is Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield going back and forth. I mean, I think Atlanta is going to bite the Mets ear off, um, but we'll see who actually wins the fight because you can still win a fight without a, you know, part of the top of your ear. So we'll see what happens there, man. I think this is as solid a heavyweight bout as we've got. And earlier this week, we're wrapping up the series today. I mean, it was must watch, man. Freed and Scherzer in game one. Then you had Strider and Peterson in game two. This is, you know, like you're leaving with cuts and bruises. You're leaving like battered and you're wondering how you're going to rebound for the weekend series heading into the all-star break because these two want to beat the crap out of each other and they want to win this division so bad. It's one of those things too, when you're watching them play head to head, you you think about, okay, is this going to be a bunch of runs scored and everything else? I think that when you have two teams like this, it comes down to where it's just every run matters so much that everything buckles down. And what I saw from Max Scherzer is the one thing that gives me some hope here that the Mets can still win this division because I look at the two lineups, and right now the, the Mets are a little bit banged up because Jeff McNeil's on a paternity leave, Starling Marte, day-to-day. So they lost two of their three all-stars when it comes to the position players. Lineup is not in great shape. But even with those guys, I look at the Braves lineup right now, and it's deeper than the Mets lineup. They have way more home run pop. I think offensively I like the Braves more, but I watch Max Scherzer in a game where when he won that game for the Mets – that ensured that they walked out of this series with the division in hand to see him do that. Knowing DeGrom is right around the corner. That's the difference here because I mean, Max Scherzer was untouchable in that game and no disrespect to DeGrom. I just don't think DeGrom has that gear and that's not a knock on Jacob DeGrom. It is a testament to exactly who Max Scherzer is. It's a testament to what's gotten Max Scherzer to being a no-doubt first-ballot Hall of Famer when his career's done. Five years after he hangs him up, he's going to Cooperstown. We know that because he's got that MFR in him that is unparalleled, I think, in baseball. Like, you see some sociopath from Chris Sale. You see some sociopath from Justin Verlander at times. And you see some sociopath from Garrett Cole but nobody matches what Max Scherzer does because while you see the dominance from sale, he's been hampered by injury now and again, Scherzer does not have blow up starts. He's never had blow up starts because when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's going to compete like nobody else's business to get through it. And when he does have his best stuff, he wants to kill you in three pitches. And that's exactly what he does. Is he your favorite pitcher to watch right now? And I know you watch every single Mets game. So you could have a little bit of bias, I guess, but I actually prefer watching the guys that I don't get to watch every night. Like I watch Dylan Cease pretty much every start he makes and he frustrates me because I know how good he can be and he struggles. But with how good we know Scherzer can be and how he continues to push that envelope, I'm curious if if you just love him more and more each time you watch him throw. 
Yeah, I, I was saying on my show, like I still can't really wrap my head around the fact that he's a Met. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't process to me because this guy tormented me for years when yeah. he was a Nationals pitcher. I mean, just every single time he went against the Mets, you knew like, yeah, okay, if you get one run against him, you're lucky. So to see him in a Mets uniform, it's crazy. I, I would say that the pitch I like watching the most right now is Sandy because uh, yeah. it's just yeah. insane. And I love the old school mentality that this guy's like, all right, give me 130 pitches. I want to finish every ball game I start. Max Scherzer obviously probably has a similar sentiment. If it wasn't for an oblique injury, he might be in the same boat right now. But right. yeah, there, there's a lot of good pitching in this division. I think that's what's going to make it so much fun down the stretch here. Um, you, you look at each team when you talk about the top four, and all of them have a horse or two um, to ride here. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But th- this Mets Braves, I mean, they, they play um, in the beginning of August. They have a five-game series at City Field. Um, then there's like a, a two-game, two-series in between, and then they play four in Atlanta. So there's going to be a stretch um, in August where they play nine out of 15 games against each other, and that's where the division is going to get decided, and that's right on the other side of the trade deadline. So what these two teams do at the deadline is huge to me. And that's what I ask you about for the Mets. I think it's pretty clear. You got to get some bat. I don't know if it's at DH. I don't know if you're just bumping Eduardo Escobar from the starting lineup and getting a third baseman. I don't know if you're getting Wilson Contreras at catcher, but to me, it's you got to get a big bat and you got to address this bullpen a little bit. Uh, what do you think about that? And where do the Braves have to add? Cause I, I don't know if the Braves have really any clear, clear holes right now, but you know, they're going to still be active. Yeah, so the Mets, I, I appreciate what you're saying about them needing to add a bat. And I guess my question is, what kind of bat do they add? Because it's not like you're going to you know, forfeit one of your top prospects coming through for a rental. I, I don't think you need a rental. Like, Do you go get Wilson Contreras with the Cubs? Um, do you go get a catcher to displace McCann and, and whoever the hell is catching for you guys right now? Or do you displace Eduardo Escobar and go get a third baseman? I think a lot of the better third basemen are on contending teams. So I think it'll be hard. Like I, I think a guy like Matt Chapman would have made a lot, a lot of sense who is making $12 million next year. But obviously the blue Jays aren't in a position to sell, even though they did just fire their manager. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think they should go get a bat. I just have no idea what kind of bat they're looking for. Like a guy with a couple of years of control after this or for a rental to just go for it. And the rentals are obviously going to be cheaper, but you know, you could also make the argument that like, maybe it's just Vientos or Beatty that comes up and, and that's the change. Like get JD Davis out of the lineup and have Vientos or Beatty as, you know, the DH or, or something, or maybe go get a guy like Nelson Cruz, who you just mentioned on the AL central pot, even though it's going to be hard to trade within the division for Atlanta. It's a really good question. I have no idea where they, they have need? to go at. I think <laughs> I would have said a second baseman while Albies is out, but then they just signed Robinson Cano. So if Cano doesn't work, maybe you go get another second baseman rental. I have no idea who that actually, is. Actually, I got a name for you that I actually think makes a ton of sense for them. Brandon Drury. I yeah. think Brandon Drury makes it. won't cost you too much. Plug him in at second. Albies comes back, move him to the bench. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Braves, but I don't but- think they have to do much. But dude, Arcia has been good off the bench too. So True. you've got a Robinson Cano, you've got Orlando Arcia and you've got, you know, any other guy that you can plug and play there. But I think Drury would be awesome, especially for some defensive versatility because he could play third. He could play second. He could do a little bit of both. 
You can always add to the bullpen. Um, I, I think they could use some help there. McHugh's been good. AJ Minter's obviously been fantastic. Uh, but Kennedy Jansen's on the IL, and it was scary. It was what? It was heart palpitations or something? Yeah, and again, he had an irregular heartbeat, I think. Yeah, an irregular heartbeat. I mean, that's scary as hell, man. And um, it's not the first time. I mean, he had those issues in L.A. too. Yeah, so I, you know, it would be good to go get another bullpen piece. I just don't think they need any help in the starting rotation either, especially with how Charlie Morton's throwing as of late. So with Freed, and obviously he struggled on Monday, but with Freed, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, and Spencer freaking Strider doing what he's doing, I think you've got your four-man rotation here and just add more bullets to the gun in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's where they're at. And to kind of touch again on the, on the Mets with what you mentioned there, the thing that's been frustrating me so much is they haven't given Vientos this opportunity to prove himself before the deadline. And to me, that indicates that maybe they're holding him out because they want to use him as a trade piece to get a more established bat. And a couple of names they've been linked to is Josh Bell and Trey Mancini. Um, I guess the idea there is, is, you know, have a different DH and someone that can, um, you know, if it's Bell, uh, sub in for Alonzo at first base a little bit. I'm really curious what they do there. If they do go the Contreras route, if you can get David Robertson in that trade, that's something that I've talked about for a long time. I know Arm wrote uh, about that as traits he would like to see a couple weeks back there. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the two prospects that are on the block, it's either Vientos or Ronnie Mauricio. I think for sure, <laughs> no one's trading Alvarez. Um, I, I, I'm writing today the trade deadline outlook for the Mets. And I said, if they, if they call about Juan Soto and they ask for Alvarez, Billy Epler would still hang up the phone. Um, that's how good Alvarez is. So that's not happening. Beatty, I think, stays. So we'll see what the Mets do. What can the Phillies do to, to actually get into the mix here? Because as much as I, I like the Marlins coming into the season, I don't know if they're really going to be a legitimate wildcard team here. The Phillies, though, I could actually see maybe if they make the right move factoring into the equation come September. But I don't know what the addition is. I'm guessing you would say center field, but what are your thoughts on what the Phillies could do to push themselves over the top here? I think a Benintendi or a Michael A. Taylor makes a lot of sense for Philly because yeah. I think you need just a little bit of speed and defense, like just a, just a hint of just speed try and it. defense. You know, just, I know you hate it, but maybe you actually think about that aspect of baseball. Give once. it a whirl. It's like a three-year-old pushing broccoli away on the play. Like, I don't want it. Like, I don't want intangibles on the baseball field. That's what Philly's saying to me right now. Go get your intangibles. They're good. I promise they're good. They're delicious and nutritious. Um, yeah, so I, I think they could go get a guy like Michael A. Taylor. I think that really helps. I also think they can make a serious play for Ramon Laureano, although the Marlins have more capital to work with if they're trying to go get Laureano. That's the problem with the Phillies. I don't think they can get a big name on the trade market because they have nothing. Yeah. And it's not like they want to part with Mick Abel or Andy Painter. And th those are the two guys that really carry value for them. Stott's the shortstop of the future. Stott's got a 540 OPS this year. Didi Gregorius is the shortstop of the present. Didi Gregorius has a 650 OPS this year. It's, it's really hard to think about the upgrades that you can make. I really do feel like they're handcuffed a little bit and they just have to give this a shot with what they have currently constructed with some minor deals, whether that is, you know, going to get Michael A. Taylor or going to get an additional bullpen piece, Ian Kennedy, et cetera. Yeah, that's where they're at. I, honestly, that's why I look at this division. And like I said, I think it's the best division race, but it's, it's basically excluding the bottom three teams. This is the Mets and the Braves division. Yeah. Um, those other teams, you know, I, I hope the Marlins and the Phillies are competitive and they can get into that wild card race. 
But I just simply think that the Cardinals and the Brewers are a better team. And I think when I was talking to Peter last week on state, he said, all right, if the Dodgers are obviously winning the West, um, you look at the Padres and the Giants, you look at the Central and you have the Cardinals and the Brewers, you know, you know, whichever team the Mets or the Braves doesn't win the division is going to be a wildcard team. There's three wildcard teams. How do the Phillies make it or how do even the Marlins make it? And I think he made a good case where it's, it's hard to see it. It really is. It's really hard to see it because while you have some guys that are performing really well, Jazz Chisholm is a guy that's performing really well. Obviously, you've got Garrett Cooper, who was just recently named an all-star, and John Birdie having an amazing year so far this year. Stolen base king. He's stolen base king. So I just named three positive. It's not that hard for me to name three negative. Avi Garcia, Jesus Sanchez, Jacob Stallings. There we go. Yeah, I mean, for, for three good things, there are three bad things, if not more. Two good things on the mound, Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara. Two bad things on the mound. Eliezer Hernandez has thrown way more innings than he should throw. And then you've got guys in, you know, the rotation that are just kind of filling out that shouldn't really be there. Like Daniel Castano, I know he's got a sub four ERA right now, but is Castano a, a pitcher for a playoff team? No. I'm not sure. I don't think so. So how do you go about it? I think you trade for control. I don't think you sell. I don't necessarily think that you buy. I think you almost treat this like an offseason starting early. Yeah. No, I think that's it. You definitely there, – there's no way that the Marlins can buy a rental. No chance. It, it makes no, no sense. But like you it, said, if, if you get control, then at least you can say, all right, we'll make a push this year, and then next year you hope that some more of the prospects end up and, and you, you can actually compete. I, I do think that if I look at the future, the Marlins have a much better future than the Phillies. There's no doubt about that. Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, what Miami has – in the tank pitching wise alone is enough to tell me that they're going to have the best staff ERA in baseball. They just signed Sandy long-term. You've got Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers can't get worse. And then you've got a guy like Max Meyer. You've got Edward Cabrera. You've got Jake Eater when he's back fully healthy. You've got a guy like Zach McCambly coming up who can be a fantastic swing man. Sixto. I paused before I said Sixto Sanchez. I have no idea what's going on with Sixto Sanchez, but I, you have too much pitching talent to suck so bad for the next five years. So I, I think just be smart, make not conservative, but um, intelligent moves offensively. And I think you're setting yourself up for success in 2023 and beyond. I think so too. And to close on the nationals, uh, Mike Rizzo, I just saw it pass across my timeline on Twitter, him doing some radio hit. And he gave some argument of how the Nationals don't go into a five to six year tailspin and they can do this rebuild quicker. My question is how? I didn't even hear his argument, but look at their farm system. Look at their major league roster. I think this franchise is going to be bad for a long time. And I also look at what they have at the deadline to sell. I mean, I think the best they could do is package Josh Bell and and Tanner Rainey together, sell them to a contender, and maybe they can get one really good prospect. Um, and something a little bit on the fringes of a top 20. I just don't see how they get better. <laughs> I'm sure Mike Rizzo didn't say it, but there's a way that this is a quick rebuild and it stems from trading Juan Soto. Yeah. Right. That's because what they got to do. But you got you you to nail that trade though. Because if you, you screw up that it. trade, you're done. You got to nail it. They, I don't think they nailed the Turner and Scherzer deal. I really don't think they did because you got, who'd you get? You got Josiah Gray back. You got Kiba Ruiz back. Um, and then you've got 
or Donovan Casey as well. I think there were a couple more guys in there, but I mean, that's not, that's not a franchise altering trade. I think they could have done better if they split those guys up. Honestly, they could have done better. Um, you know, obviously part of it was the Dodgers being willing to eat the money on Scherzer, um, which is ridiculous. You shouldn't be like, that's the thing that like to, I know like we're, we were talking with the, with Clay about the res the other day and it's like, would they really attach Moustakas to Castillo? It's like, I can't believe they would do that to, to ruin the one real trade chip you have. You can't do that. And I am looking right now um, at the trade. So they got Josiah Gray. They got Gerardo Carrillo, uh, Kybert Ruiz, and they got Donovan Casey was the four players they got. Yeah. Or- so you could have done better for a package of an expiring Scherzer and Turner with a year and a half of control. You got to get way more for Juan Soto. And, and I agree with your sentiment there that, you know, Rainey and Bell should get you one really good player. I think you could go for those two players for three good players, like a young major leaguer and then two AAA guys that are knocking on the door and you go get Bell and Rainey. Soto needs to get you five good players. Yeah. So you're looking at flipping three guys for possibly eight good big leaguers or at least guys with what seems like a bright future. And I think that's a quick rebuild there. Um, and, yeah, and I think if that's you what hit on like five of them. You got, you got, great. you've got five good big leaguers. You're a 500 yeah. team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's my thing, man. So if Mike Rizzo promised a quick rebuild, I think that tells you that they're trading Juan Soto in the not so distant future. Well, I still don't see that happening at the deadline. We'll no, see though. It's not. We'll see. All right. Well, that was the state of the NL East for this Thursday. Uh, you got clay and Ethan for NL central tomorrow.